Well, as we said at the beginning of this service, we are starting a new teaching series this year, and we're looking at stories of hope. And uh, this week, we're looking at one of my favorite stories uh, in the Bible, in the book of Acts. So... um, I was going to say if you've got a Bible, but you don't have a Bible because you can't hold a Bible. But we're going to turn to Acts chapter 16, and we're going to start in verses 22 to 34. Paul and Silas, friends, they've gone to Philippi. They've been telling people about Jesus, and uh, they've seen some amazing things happen. They've seen some lives changed, transformed, miracles taking place, and all these good things, and then suddenly they start facing opposition. So Acts 16, 22 to 34, that's where we pick up the story. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus. And you will be saved, you and your whole household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in the house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. He and his whole household. I'd love to take a few moments to speak to you today about new year, new perspective. 2020 has been an extremely challenging year and one that will probably reverberate for many years to come. I'm sure many of you will want to say goodbye to 2020 and are excited as you look with hope into 2021. But as we begin in this year, we have this amazing opportunity, despite the challenges of 2020, to reset and to recenter ourselves around the person of Jesus, who he is, what he's done for us, and the vision that we believe that he's giving us as a church to see faith rise in this area, to see the church rise and to see the city rise. At the start of this year, we want to put first things first, to gain a renewed perspective around Jesus, and particularly around the whole area, as we've said, around prayer and worship. 
How we see things changes the way that we respond to our circumstances. Will we respond to difficult, uncertain, and challenging times with worry and despair or with worship and prayer? Thanks. I know that for me, I can have a propensity to worry. If I'm honest, I can have a bit of a disposition towards anxiety. I'd like to say that worship and prayer is my default go-to when I'm going through challenging times. But more often than not, I try and find other things. I try and take control myself, make lists, try and do it in my own strength. But I know that when I do come to prayer, when I do worship him, then my perspective changes. I feel different. I love what Corrie Ten Boom says. She says, if you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. But if you look at God, you'll be at rest. That's what happens when we worship and pray. Our perspective changes. Whatever our circumstances may be that we're facing, we can be at rest We can trust knowing that he is in control. He is sovereign. He has the power to change things. And that's what we see in this story. He is the one who has power to change our circumstances, to change lives, to change destiny and the course of history. And of course, that happens in partnership with us as we pray and as we worship together. Paul and Silas are in prison. They're facing so many challenges, so many difficulties. It could have been so easy for them, tempting for them to get worried, confused, distraught about the situation. In one sense, they'd done everything right. They'd gone to Philippi. They'd followed what they thought was God's call on their lives. They'd been telling people about Jesus. People had come to faith, and yet... Despite what they thought was the right thing to do, they're still facing opposition and challenges. They're attacked, they're arrested, beaten, severely flogged, they're naked and they're put in prison. From a human perspective, their situation looks pretty hopeless. And maybe today you've come or you're watching online and perhaps that's how you feel. Maybe you feel that during this pandemic, these restrictions that we're facing are so challenging, so difficult for us to see beyond. Maybe there's other situations that you're facing in your life, maybe in your workplace, maybe in your finances, maybe in your relationships. Humanly speaking, things aren't looking great. But when we face opposition, and we all do in different ways, we've got a choice to make. We can let our circumstances shape our perspective and our relationship with Jesus. Or we can let our relationship with Jesus shape the way that we see our circumstances. Paul and Silas had that choice to make too. They could have looked at their situation and thought, God's forgotten us. We made a wrong decision. God doesn't care about us anymore. Or they could have said, we're going to stand with faith. 
We know that life is a mixture of battles and blessings. We're trusting in his word. We know that he's kind. We know that he's good. We know that he's worthy of our worship. We know that he's called us. He's got a plan and a purpose for our lives. You see, your circumstances will either curtail your worship or compel you to worship. And it's new perspective that makes all the difference. Rather than panic, it's Paul and Silas's pain that propels them to worship and prayer. The reason they were awake around midnight was probably because they were in pain. They'd been severely flogged, put in stocks. Verse 25 says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Their prayer and their worship changes the atmosphere around them. And in one sense, the response to their circumstances, it seems utterly ridiculous. It seems completely foolish. How is praying and worshipping actually going to help or change their situation? I think so often that's how people view prayer just a waste of time maybe it's empty optimism we're like throwing pennies in a wishing well but that's not the same as praying to the living God we have the privilege of having access to our father in heaven who fights on our behalf someone said prayer is the slender nerve that moves the muscle of omnipotence. And it's as a result of their prayer and their worship, even in this desperate situation, that the supernatural breaks in. There's freedom. Verse 26 says, Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. Their prayers change the course of history. History belongs to the intercessors. When we pray, things change. If you want to see significant change in your own life, pray. If you want to see a significant change in the lives of your friends or your family or your work colleagues in your community, if we want to see that significant change in our area in our city we need to pray there's no more powerful place to start than in prayer and worship and God loves to work out his purposes through those who pray and worship prayer makes a difference but of course that's not often how the world sees it we pray things happen but people might just think well maybe that's just coincidence Paul and Silas prayed and they worshipped and then there was this earthquake. God's providence or coincidence? I heard a story about a family who acquired a new little kitten and the family were, it was a summer's day, they were playing with the kitten out in the garden and the kitten went up a tree, got stuck in the branches of a tree and they couldn't get it out. They tried everything, but because it was stuck between some sharp branches, it just wasn't going to work. So they didn't know what to do. But the father in this family was a pastor, 
And uh, he was always coming up with great ideas. And so he just said, don't worry, children. Daddy to the rescue. I've got an idea. So he said, what I'm going to do, I'm going to get a rope. And I'm going to tie one end of the rope to the car. I'm going to tie the other end of the rope to the tree. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to start the car. And as I drive the car, the tree is going to bend down and bend down. I'm going to drive a little bit further and the tree will bend down, bend down. And then when the tree's further down, you can get the cat out of the tree. So they all think, brilliant idea. Daddy to the rescue. So the dad ties the rope to the car. He gets in the car. And he begins to drive, and he drives slowly, slowly. And the tree, it begins bending, bending, bending. And he's slowly, slowly down there. And suddenly, the rope snaps. And the tree springs back. And the small kitten in the tree is propelled far off into the distance. And that's the end of the story. Two weeks later, the pastor is visiting a member of his congregation and he knocks on the door and the lady opens the door and in the hallway, he sees his kitten. Unmistakable. But of course, he can't say to her, you've got our kitten. So he says to her, that's a very nice kitten that you've got. Have you had her long? And the lady says, well, pastor, you would not believe this. It was two weeks ago. It was a hot, sunny afternoon. And we were outside and we were with our son, Johnny. And Johnny was pestering us to get a kitten. And I said to Johnny, I said, Johnny, we've had this conversation before. We are not going to get a cat. And he kept pestering and pestering. So the only way I could get him to stop pestering was to say, okay, Johnny, look, If Jesus wants us to have a cat, then he will make a way. Why don't we kneel down here in the garden and we'll pray. And if the Lord Jesus wants us to have a cat, then we'll have a cat. So, Pastor, we knelt down together in the garden. And as we prayed, Pastor, you are not going to believe this. You see, when we pray coincidences happen. When we don't, they don't. Paul and Silas pray and there's this tremendous earthquake at exactly that time, in exactly that place. In a very specific way, the ground is shaken and yet the building doesn't fall down. Just the doors are flung open wide. Is that coincidence or providence? You see, when we pray, things change. Circumstances change. The ground was shaken. The tree was shaken. And as a result, freedom comes. Maybe today you feel like you're in some kind of prison. Maybe you need to find freedom in your life today. We all face prisons, whether it's fear, anxiety. Maybe for some it's depression or even pride for some. Prayer and worship changes our circumstances. Prayer makes 
a difference. When we worship, it changes the atmosphere. Many of you who are part of the devoted gatherings that normally meet just once a month on a Tuesday morning at 8 o'clock on Zoom at the moment, at the end of those prayer gatherings, the person leading, they always say, thank you for praying. You have made a difference. It's true, isn't it? But of course, it doesn't always feel like that. When we pray, it sometimes feels invisible and insignificant. It may be invisible, but it is invaluable. It might seem insignificant, but it's of infinite and internal importance. And as we've said, that's why we really want to dedicate the beginning of this year, this week, to prayer and to worship. And for those that would like to, maybe to spend some time fasting in whatever way that looks for you. 1102, this campaign, just very, very simple, just set our alarms. Maybe for you at the start of this year, just find a place to pray. Keep your Bible open in a particular place to keep reading it. Do the Bible in one year app. Come on Thursday night, join our devoted Zoom gatherings in the mornings, 8 o'clock, 1 o'clock this week. Do something new at the beginning of this year to get that new perspective. We believe that as we pray, circumstances change and lives are changed. This story is full of lives being changed. The jailer, he experiences the supernatural presence of God. He goes from wanting to take his own life to finding life and giving his life to Jesus. He asks Paul and Silas, he says, what must I do to be saved? That's what is known as an evangelistic opportunity. It's also probably the most important question that you could ever ask in your life. If you've never asked that question before, what must I do to be saved? And they respond, they say, believe in the Lord Jesus. Of course, that's what we're praying for. The Alpha starting, we're praying for faith to rise. We want to see people come to know Jesus. Just as this pandemic has been this wave across this nation, across this world, aren't we praying for a supernatural wave and a sovereign move of God to come? Not one that would bring harm and destruction, but one that brings freedom. The ultimate breakthrough in people's lives comes when they encounter Jesus for the first time. It changes everything. It's so exciting to see that in people's lives. God doesn't just care about you. He cares about those around you, your friends, your family. He cares about your story and your destiny. My grandfather was a Baptist minister and he died when he was 98 years old. And my mom often says to me that she could hear him when she was a child in the mornings and he was in his study praying. Sometimes he would bang on the floor in passionate prayer. I'm so grateful for the prayers that he prayed that I'd like to think are having some kind of impact on me and my family and my story and my destiny. What seeds can we sow for future generations that are to come? As we pray, as we worship, 
Doors can be blown off to situations. Chains can be broken. Lives can be changed. Faith can rise. Whole families can be baptized and transformed. In World War II, some of you will know the history, that there were particular moments in World War II where things from a human perspective, didn't look good for this nation. And when the British army were close to defeat during the Second World War, the British army were trapped at Dunkirk. At that time, the king, the king, King George VI, he called for a national day of prayer to be held on the 26th of May, 1940. And in a national broadcast to the whole country, he instructed the people of the UK to turn back to God in a spirit of repentance and plead for divine help. And it was amazing just to see the response. We've got a photo of just thousands of people turning up on that particular day. This is Westminster Abbey uh, in the centre of London. People queuing up to get into churches to pray. And following that day of prayer, two events immediately happened. One, there was a storm that rose up over Dunkirk. That meant that the German Air Force weren't able to take to the skies to attack. And secondly, there was a calm over the British Channel, which enabled hundreds of people with small boats, along with the Navy, to go across the Channel to get the army who were stranded in Dunkirk. Was that coincidence or was that providence? The people of God coming out to pray for a breakthrough. At this time, we may not be in a physical battle, although many people have likened this pandemic to a battle, but we are in a spiritual battle we're in a spiritual battle over the identity of our nation, over huge issues in our nation, education at this time, over our young people. When I think about some of the things that are happening with our young people at this time, my son was out with a friend on New Year's Eve and was held at knife point. Muggings taking place, like literally in our family. We need to pray that God would do something new. Food poverty, marital and relational breakdown, these are the things that we as the church are called to pray for. And just as the king called the people to pray, so the king of kings is calling us to pray today. If there was ever a time that we need to pray for our, for our community, our city, our church, our nation, this is the moment. And we know, don't we, looking at church history, that every revival has begun with a small group of faithful people choosing to not look at their circumstances, but to gain a new perspective, fixing their eyes on Jesus through prayer and through worship. The baton is in our hands if not us, then who? And what I love about this is it's such a simple thing that we can do to come together to pray for this vision, 
to see faith rise, the church rise, and this city rise for its peace and its prosperity. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray right now before Charlie comes to lead us in communion. Father, we thank you that you're alive. We thank you for the immense privilege we have of being able to talk with you. The creator, the maker, the sustainer of the universe. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would work out your purposes in us and through us. Let your kingdom come, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.